You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. Jealousy is a natural feeling for human beings, and bloggers are no exception to this rule. But your jealousy of the bloggers around you doesn't have to paralyze you. You can use it to propel your blog forward more than you ever imagined. And Joshua Becker did just that for his blog. Joshua inspires others to live more by owning less. He is a blogger at becomingminimalist.com and the best-selling author of Simplify and The More of Less. He's also the founder of The Hope Effect, a nonprofit organization changing how the world cares for orphans. In this conversation, Joshua shares the three questions he asks himself whenever he feels jealousy coming on, why a blogger shouldn't start with a business plan right away, and how your unique perspective can put you in the driver's seat of your business. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Now let's find out how Joshua Becker achieved his reach. Well, hey, Joshua, thanks for being on the Reach podcast today. Well, it is my pleasure. How are you today? I am doing great. I'm very excited to talk to you and dive into a little bit of the history behind becoming minimalist because I've I've heard some of, of your interviews before and and read your story on on the blog, but becoming minimalist has really grown and changed over the the course of time and it's something that I ask every guest on this show to do is to take us back to those early days. And and in your case, it's kind of exciting because the early days were were a while ago. You kind of came in at the before blogging was like the thing to do, right? It was kind of I don't know, was it like live journal days of, oh, of blogging? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure I'm entirely up on the uh, entire history of blogging, but I, I would say it was a little bit after <laughs> it was a little I, it was a little bit after that. My my first blog was a, a free wordplay a free WordPress site. Um so whatever those yeah. days were, um eight and a half years ago is when I when I first started. Eight and a half years ago. I'm like the uh, exact opposite of an overnight success. Yeah, there's oh gosh, I think it's like Mariah Cause that has a post of the eight year story of my overnight success or something like that. Because I think that there's so many people who become known what feels like overnight. Um, but like you said, that journey begins in many cases six, eight, ten years ago. Yeah, I so agree. I agree. <clears throat> in your case, it was eight and a half years ago. And um and what were you blogging about at the time? And was blogging your business when you started? Oh, no. Blogging was not my business at all. I blog about minimalism. I, I blog about owning less. That's what I do now. And that was what I started doing eight and a half years ago. So I, I wasn't blogging about anything else. I started blogging about this. And I uh, I certainly wasn't doing it professionally. I, I was actually a pastor at the time. I was introduced to minimalism by my neighbor. And I started my blog not 
with any desire to do it full time, I, I started it simply as a place, a kind of like an online journal, uh, a bit of a diary for me to write about our process of owning less and how we were getting there and what we were learning. Um, but I, I did it primarily just for myself, maybe so my um, mom on the other side of the country knew what we were doing and what we were keeping. Um, that, that's the, the, the whole story behind it, really. Like, hey, mom, here, here's what I'm letting go of. And don't worry, I'm keeping these long form memories in this way. Yeah, I mean, um, I, that I kind of, yeah, I think it was as much for my my kids. So her grandkids that um, I think she she had yeah. some misconceptions about what it meant to become minimalist. And um, I just want to let her know that we are still buying produce at the grocery store. And that we were, you know, <laughs> still being responsible to, um, to our grandkids and, and how we were raising them. Yeah. And there's so many Reach listeners who have a blog that's a passion. Obviously, you know, you were introduced to this methodology, but it's, I mean, eight and a half years of it later, clearly it was a passion and still is, or you wouldn't be blogging about it for all this time. So this happens to so many bloggers that we start a blog because we have a passion about a particular topic. I think about a friend of mine who who started a paleo blog. She wanted to figure out how to turn all these different desserts into paleo desserts because that was the way she ate. But she felt like she couldn't eat dessert and she loved dessert. And so she started messing around with recipes and then documenting it. And it's grown over time. And now she's releasing her first cookbook and all these different things. But, you know, it started from from a passion. And it was a side job for her and actually still is, you know, she's, she was in school for nutrition and is a trained nutritionist now and has a practice there. But it sounds like it was a side passion for you too. And I wonder what the process was like of going from passion to full-time blogger. And you've mentioned you have kids and so that's always a concern for for those of us who who have this side passion, have a have a steady income with a full time job, and and have a family to support. Can you talk a little bit about what those conversations looked like with your wife? What the transition was like? Was it overnight? Was it a long journey? How'd you get to becoming a professional blogger with becoming minimalist? Yeah, well, that's about a five year story. Let me. Uh, let me let me just okay cool uh, well we have a long time <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me jump back and say i think that that there are uh, a lot of advantages to simply blogging your passion as i mentioned i never set out to become a full-time blogger i i just wanted to write about what I was learning and the the change that was taking place in my life and i think because that was my only desire at the time, I can look back and I can see that 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 there's certain benefits that are associated with that. Number one, I didn't have to have a blogging business plan. I didn't have to have a strategy worked out for how I was going to grow from this many readers to that many readers or how I was going to grow my email list. I'll, all I wanted to do was write about what I was learning and and what was taking place in my life because that's what I was passionate about doing. And so when I when I started blogging, I 
I didn't have any answers. I, I, I didn't have a Facebook group. I didn't have a, I wasn't on Twitter. I didn't have a, uh, subscribe to my email list. I didn't have anything. I was simply writing about what I was learning. And that's an advantage, you know, that the, that we don't have to be paralyzed by having every step figured out before we can even take the, the first one. The second benefit of simply blogging your, your passion is that I, I didn't need to make money from it and I, I wasn't looking to make money from it. And, and because uh, I wasn't trying to monetize what I was doing in any way, I could simply write things that were happening in my life and write things in a way that would help other people. And I think that those are, are two pretty specific advantages that that come from that, that people often overlook. I, I mean, I think a lot of bloggers, you know, their, their dream is to, is to do it full time. And I think that there are, you know, is a time and a place where doing this full time allows you to help more people, which I think should be the, the ultimate goal. But I, I think that there are a lot of good things about it not being a full time job that people shouldn't overlook when they're when they're simply in that um, simply in that phase. So I, I'll I'll just mention that before we get into the, you know, how did it become a full time thing for me? Totally, it's incredibly important because we're always looking at ten steps ahead or wanting to be at that ten steps ahead point, um, no matter what it is we're doing. And that's an important thing to consider in the blogging journey is having those those early days where you can just focus on what you're writing and being incredibly valuable for yourself and for anyone who happens to be reading because you're not really concerned about it reaching the masses at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, you know, entirely refined in your writing voice. You know, you you um mm. you you give yourself some some time to to kind of play with it and and find out what people like and and what writing voice resonates with people. Um so I think that there's so anyone who's just blogging for for their passion, like I, I think that's fantastic. And I um I look back on those days with with uh with great fondness for sure. My journey to doing it full time. This is a, a terrible way to, to say it, but it started out of spite <laughs> is, uh, is how I've, how I've, how I've begun to say it. I, uh, again, I, I, I liked my job. I, I liked pastoring and I, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to get out of it, but I, I've been blogging for, I'd been blogging about minimalism for several years. I noticed a, I, I'd started to follow some other writers who were blogging about minimalism and and uh, up pops this, I don't know, 20 or 21, 22 year old kid who starts writing about minimalism. He writes about minimalism for about four months. And then all of a sudden he's written this book, a PDF book that this is back in the days that, I mean, you didn't even send people to Amazon. You just sold the the PDF through eJunkie or whatever people were were using. And he'd been blogging about four or five months and he and he wrote this book and I start seeing all these people talking about it. And a little bit of jealousy was creeping in. And I thought to myself, who is this young kid writes for a couple months and all of a sudden he's got a book written. I, I've written for years on this topic. I certainly have enough stuff that I can make my own book about it. And so I just went back and I, I looked at the the, the posts that I had compiled over a, a couple of years span and I started finding some some reoccurring themes in it. And I 
I ultimately just reorganized my my old blog posts into a downloadable PDF that that I began selling, partly just because I I saw this other kid do it. And so that's that is the the first step, the the first time I ever started making money online was when I uh, created this book and you know had all the late nights of trying to figure out how to sell it and how to design it and and how to do all that. But that was the the start for um what again wasn't even you know I, I want to do this full time. It was just a uh, hey I I think I have enough valuable information here that that I can make a book um, worthwhile for people to to purchase. I think that's a really interesting um, way to get into it because what you hear more often than not is that same story of and then this person started writing about the same thing I've been writing about and a couple months later they had this following and were selling products and you know all this and more often than not the reaction is well crap I'm just gonna quit writing about what I've what I'm writing about and clearly He's got the market on this and I missed out. And why should I put together an ebook? What do I have to offer when he's clearly already killing it? And you've really flipped that switch to wait a second. I've been talking about this and I'm going to do it too. And I think that's really admirable and and a great lesson and and it just proves that Nobody has the market cornered on anything that everybody has a different voice to share. So while he had a book that was successful after his period of time writing, then you were able to say, oh, hey, if if he can do it, I can do it, too, as opposed to, well, he's already doing it, so I'm not going to. Yeah, I would agree. And and certainly the the difference between my life and his were were night and day. I mean, I had two kids and mm-hmm. he was just a, you know, a, a young single guy that was um, writing about minimalism. And so my, my differences were very night and day, but they're there, right? At whatever topic we're talking about, regardless of how many books have been written or how many other blogs there are about it, we, we still bring unique circumstances. We bring unique experience. We bring unique perspective. We bring a unique voice uh, to the conversation. And we reach people that the other people aren't reaching simply because of those things. So I agree with that. That's a, that's a good point. Thanks for making my, my action out of spite sound so admirable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it really is because I feel like that. I mean, yeah, sure. It was born of jealousy and jealousy exists in a lot of what we do, especially when we're online and we're behind our computer screens in our little bubble and we see other people doing things and it can it can become jealousy really fast. How do you manage that for yourself? How do you manage that that jealousy of especially in the minimalist world that is becoming incredibly popular. I feel like Marie Kondo wrote a book and now everyone is minimalist and starting blogs around it. So how do you manage that for yourself? Is it about putting the blinders on or, you know, what are your tips and tricks for for that jealousy bug that bites all of us? Yeah. Boy, you have some good questions. For me, I think there's a, a piece of number one, just recognizing it, calling it what it is when it, uh, when it begins surfacing. I think that it's very helpful to try to determine what, what it is that I am becoming jealous about. 
Am I becoming jealous because it looks like that person's making a lot of money? Am I becoming jealous because it looks like that person is receiving accolades and praise that I wish I was receiving? And am I becoming jealous because it looks like that person is helping more people than I am? You know, normally the the jealousy comes from, I think, some some unhealthy or selfish pursuits that we have in our our life anyway, right? And so kind of recognizing what those are, calling it what it is, just taking a a step back, I think, and and celebrating, you know, the the past accomplishments and the past uh, achievements that I have in in my own life. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm even in a place where I would be jealous that someone was writing a book about minimalism. I never would have been even able to say this a couple of years ago. And yet Today, here I am, and I, I feel like I, I could be writing the same book that, that that person is. So um, I think that those are some of the um, um, some of the key steps that that I do. And 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 I, I found that it's it's not something that I that that I solve and I never have to deal with again. But I, I find it something that that I, I do have to return to over and over again and say, gosh, this is this is getting the best of me now. And, and it's not. Uh, it's not contributing to to me doing the my my best work. Sometimes it might be somewhat motivational, but oftentimes it it motivates me in unhealthy ways or for unhealthy things, um, rather than um, rather than the best things for myself and and uh, the people I'm trying to serve. Yeah, it can. Um, <laughs> jealousy is you know one. I I think it's one of the seven deadly sins. Um, and, or at least is, is quite harmful to us and our psyches if we, if we let it be, but it sounds like you have some real, um, real things that you do there to, to make it powerful instead of letting it control you, um, to, to take the control back from it and, and decide like, okay, why, why am I jealous? Um, and what is that thing that's causing the jealousy? Um, you know, did they, did they create a course when that's something I've been thinking about doing? Um, and, and typically, at least my experience of jealousy is I find it, it all comes back to me. Like, it's not actually about that person. It's about why, like something that I didn't do that I've been telling myself I'm going to do or, um, that it's really, it's really about me. And so then it, it forces me to get into action. Um, it sounds like that might be the the case for you as well. Yeah, I, uh, I would agree. Mm -hmm. So, so, so you, so you wrote the book book out out of your your jealousy and spite. spite. (laughs) Um, and, and and how how did it do? Um, you, you said you you had had no, no focus on building building a following of any kind. kind. Um, Um, and, and so so typically, you know, you hear like, Oh, well, I had an email list of, you know, you know, thousand people and I launched the book to them and I sold a couple hundred copies and it was very exciting and that motivated me to continue growing my email, email list. Um, um, what, what, what happened, happened with the book, with the book when, you when you launched it? <clears throat> yeah, let me try and recall. Um, the, uh, the book did, I don't know, marginally well. Um, I, I remember there was a, a, a period of time where, so I sold the book for $9.99. I had a, like a 50% uh, affiliate deal that, that people could use. And I, I pretty much went through a stretch of, um, I think maybe a year and a half where 
Uh, if I sold one book a day, I was <laughs> like, that was my goal. I want to have one email come in a day that that someone had had bought the book. Um, so I, I wasn't making uh, I wasn't making a lot. Um, I had a, a friend email and uh, and tell me that I should put it on Amazon. So over the course of that year and a half, two years, I, I don't remember the the uh, the time frame uh, exactly. Um, but Amazon had grown and people were, you know, getting most of their ebooks through Amazon as opposed to, you know, just downloading PDFs. And um, he really encouraged me to, um, to sell it there. And I, I was looking at the ebooks on Amazon and they were selling for 99 cents or $1.99 or $2.99. And I'm like, yeah, but I sell it for $9.99. Do I really want to put it on Amazon and sell it for a third of the price? And he said, absolutely you do. So, um, so I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot. And so, um, I, you know, had it converted to the, you know, the, the Kindle formats and the, the Barnes and Noble. And I, I put it up, um, and I, and I, you know, had, had known enough. I'd seen enough that, um, it was, a uh, Hey, when you first put it out, you know, sell it for 99 cents, even if you're going to sell it for $2.99 later, you know, sell it for really cheap at the beginning so that you can climb up in the rankings and, um, and, you know, get registered on, you know, so Amazon takes notice of your, of your ebook. And so I, uh, I put it up on Amazon on a November 1st, I offered it for 99 cents and literally I, I couldn't believe it. It, uh, it took off un unbelievably. I mean, it it uh, it was up to like number seven on like all of Amazon. Uh, it was the number one self help book for like two weeks, and it was it was shocking to me that I, I still don't know exactly what it is. Uh, I mean, I guess I could look back and say maybe I, I I probably had it priced too high. I wasn't going where the customers were. So the, the customers were on Amazon and I, I wasn't going there. There was probably a part of, hey, it was this limited, you know, 10 day offer that you could get it for less expensive, you know, a, a little bit of just common selling techniques that I wasn't aware of. Uh, maybe even letting my readers know that that I had a book probably over the year and a half time, I'd, I'd let that slip and just wasn't making a, you know, wasn't mentioning that there was even a book out there. Clearly my, my readership had grown from the time I first launched it to the time that I reformatted it for Amazon. Um, so those were some of the, I guess the, the key indicators I look back on. And when that happened, then that was the first time where I started thinking, Hey, maybe this is something that I, I could do full-time. Maybe this is something that I need to start thinking about doing, um, doing full-time. So the book took off on Amazon and it sounds like you were making more than one sale a day. So you went from the goal of one sale a day to now having the book climbing the charts, which means even at a dollar uh, a copy, if you sold 10 copies and you were still making more than than you did on on your own site. Yeah. Um so so I guess my question is as the book started taking off at what you said that's when it really triggered that this is something I could do. I mean now your your business is built around 
books and and speaking, at least the the financial side of the business, as far as I can see. And maybe there's there's other elements there. And that's something that's always fascinating. Like, wait, you're a full-time blogger. What does that mean? How do you make money? Um, which is maybe a question you get from strangers a lot or even family. But what was that tipping point with the book that you you said, wow, sales are really coming in and and this is this is something I, I want to write more books now and, and always put them on Amazon. And and did the book books lead to lead to the speaking gigs? How how did that all evolve? Yeah. So there were there were probably two main factors that that led me to the uh, okay maybe I need to start thinking seriously about transitioning from this is a hobby to, to doing this full time. Number one, the, the income began to grow. And so again, I, I'm so terrible with dates, but there, when I, um, um, when I was making about $2,000 a month, um, online was when I was, when I started thinking, okay, maybe this is something that, that I could transition into. But that's because it was also accompanied with a second reality in my life that was, I can't keep doing the blogging and my full-time job at the same time. Because the, the blogging was taking my time and, and energy and effort. And I, I couldn't keep up with at least I certainly couldn't keep growing what I was doing over there while I was working full time. And to be honest, I wasn't even—I I couldn't even be doing a good job at my full time employment because all the spare moments of my day I was working on the blog, and any downtime at work I was working on the blog, and any creative energy I had in my life was was going towards the blog. And so there was a, a tipping point there where it was like suddenly becoming clear that I was going to have to give up one or the other. And I was just very passionate about what I was, what I was writing about and what the, the change that was taking place in people's lives. And so those were the, those were the two things that, that kind of came together in my life. From there, probably the, the very, like the most practical step that I took was my wife and I sat down and figured out what was the bare minimum that we would need financially to to live and because i was living a, a minimalist life because i'm I, I wasn't buying a lot of things we had we had downsized into a smaller home not because we didn't have the money for a bigger home but because we wanted to live in a smaller house so we could spend more time and money and energy doing other things because we had had made that life choice 5 years earlier the the money that we needed to live wasn't wasn't all that much based on our uh, mortgage and monthly expenses. I, I think we came out to about you know we could live on four thousand dollars a month, um, five thousand a month if we wanted to keep our cell phones and go visit the family in the Midwest at Christmas. Uh, but but like the the minimum was was four thousand, and I had been like I said I was I was making. 2000 we could live on four and so once we had saved we had saved up about 18000 so if you could do the math we needed four uh, i was making two so if nothing changed i would be short $2000 a month we'd saved 18 so i could go 8 or 9 months without any changes without any changes to my income and and we would still be okay so that was the 
the math that we did and we're like, okay, I think that's long enough. If I'm, if my income doesn't go up in six to nine months of doing this full time, then, then lesson learned and, and we'll go back to, to doing what I was doing before. So that, those are the, like the very bare bones specifics of the, the thought process that we, that we went through. And that's incredibly practical. I think most of us think we need more than, <laughs> and this probably applies to not just income, but things. And you're the expert on, on this, but most of us think we need more than we do. And we think that our spending, good, I'm sure it is. And there's, you know, not many people actually sit down and write out that this is what I need to to live off of every month. And here's all of our fixed income or, you know, our fixed expenses and what can we cut out? Like, do we need Netflix and Hulu? You know, even just those little things can, can add up. And it's obviously true for possessions as well. Um, what do you actually need? Like you said, you, even with two, two kids, you downsized your home, you actually could use less house and be just as happy. So there's obviously sacrifices to be made uh, when you're building a business. And at that point, it's just about deciding, are you willing to make that sacrifice? Are you willing to live off of that savings or um, to have those those less things? Or do you want to keep with what you're doing and putting all that extra time in and, you know, whether that was taking time away from your family or from yourself? Some people, like you have to know your tipping point or your ability to accept that reality, whether it's something you want to take on right right away or if you need to wait a little bit. And doing that math really, really helps most people being able to make that decision. So so you guys sounds like you were able to dive into it right away. Oh, dive into it right away. No, I, I wouldn't say that. Well, depending on what you mean by that. So I had been uh, so I had been blogging for five and a half years before I made the the transition into doing it full time. Uh, and even that, even that very specific, hey, what would it look like financially for me to do this full time? Even that was a year and a half to two to two years of um, like I said, I'm I'm like the exact opposite of <laughs> of uh, overnight success. It was Hey, you know what? Here's what I would need to be making. Um, here's what I am. How, how can we start saving for that to, to happen? Um, what are some things that I need to put in place over this year and a half so that when I do start going full time on October 1st, 2014, that I'm ready to start making more? You know, what are, what are the, so when I, we had the book Simplify that was that was doing pretty well. I was doing speaking, Amazon affiliate sales. I mean, I started adding Bluehost sales a little bit later, so so that wasn't even a, a part of it. But I said, you know, so what am I going to do to be able to jump my income from two thousand to four or five thousand that I feel like I need? And during those those months leading up to going full time, I was working on a second book that that I could put out that I was pretty sure was going to do well. I, I was looking into, you know, how do I how do I promote my speaking a little bit more, uh, a little more intentional in using my email list or building my email list. So, so there was, you know, quite a, quite a run up to that, to that decision as well. Yeah. And it sounds like it really shifted from blogging for a passion as, as a hobby 
writing a book because you had the content and you could to much more strategic and intentional actions that you took in order to go full time. I think that, uh, that it didn't. Oh, no, I was just going to say it didn't happen without you trying. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that our goal should should always be how, how do I how do I help people? Um, how do I how do I serve people with with what I'm writing and, and what I'm creating and, and what I'm producing? Um, I think that should always be our our first goal. But I think there comes a time where, hey, if I if I start making more money from this, then I can start helping more people. Um, and so I think that that's I think that's that's the point where kind of the tipping point where I was at where it was, hey, if I if I want to reach more people with this, then I've got to be able to find more time that I can commit to it. And that's only going to happen if I start putting these things in place intentionally and specifically to start making money from it so that I can help more, more and more people. But I, I think that we, we run into trouble. I think that I see bloggers run into trouble when, um, when the, when the first goal, when the first step is how do I make money from this? Um, rather than constantly asking, how can I help more people with this? When that's the first goal, I think the money follows, um, much more than when we do it the other way around. That's so good. Yeah. Cause when you're chasing the money, the money knows it. And it, you know, it, it almost plays hard to get sometimes. Um, that when, you know, you're you're putting together a course or writing a book or doing a new offering and you're writing that email that's um, you know, like, oh, I gotta I gotta make a couple grand from this, this email. It comes across in in your writing and um people can feel that 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 energy that you put out of like, I just, I just did this for the money, not, um, not for the, how can I serve people um, with, with this particular product? Which I might, if I could just kind of toot your own horn a little bit. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I love about um, ConvertKit so much is that um, like there is a genuine heart and desire to, to help bloggers and to help them, help them do what they're, what they're doing. And, you know, certainly the, when the income comes in, you're, you're able to do more of that. But I've, I've always felt like, like your desire and, and your guys' heart has always been for the, the people you're serving rather than, um, the, the bottom line that's, um, a result of it. It's really true. And thank you for saying that. It's something we just talked about on our team retreat that, well, most software companies would be spending the money coming in on things like Facebook ads. We're looking at like, what can we do for our communities and planning meetups and helping bloggers go professional because that's that's their dream. So, you know, we're not we're not interested in the traditional way of doing business, but we want to we want to be of service, too. So so we're thrilled to have people like you as part of our family because you're also of that same mindset. And I have to ask about the speaking, Joshua, because that's a huge piece of your business. And it's something that so many bloggers have on that like far horizon dream, you know, when they, they map out the what could I what do I want to do with this business? And a lot of people have speaking on that list of, you know, I want to be a known speaker in my industry. And I I want people to to seek me out. I want to I want to be that keynote speaker that I saw at the conference last year. And of course you have a bit of a speaking background from being a pastor, but was speaking on minimalism something that you 
you saw as you started to build out this business plan? Or was it something that came to you through the other things you were doing? Well, probably both. I think that the the first time I, I went to speak somewhere, they had sought me out. But it was certainly something that I that I enjoy doing and and I like doing. I, I think that there is a lot of benefit to it because I, I think that you reach different people speaking than you would blogging as much as I hate to admit it, not everybody's out there reading blogs. And so I think that that uh, that speaking is a, a nice and nice addition to the to what you're doing. I think that there are, are benefits to your to your writing. Uh, when you're out speaking, you you see what what type of phrasing and, and what type of messages um, hit people. You you kind of get an idea for what the questions are that, that people have, some of that feedback that we can't always get from writing. So I, I think that it, while it was a desire of mine, the, the first the first bit of it was um, was initiated outside of what I was doing. And then I read Michael Hyatt's platform book and he I forget if it was a whole chapter or just a just a section in his in his book on uh, creating a speaking page, and I was like, "Oh, well, that seems that seems easy enough that I could that I could create a, a speaking page on my website." And so I uh, I did I I created that, and I it's never been something that I've marketed outside my blog, and that I'm I'm not sending out mailers, and I'm I'm not you know seeking you know, to speak at different conferences and, and different things like that. But I, but I at least made it available and I at least let people know that I, that I enjoy doing this and that I, that I like doing it. And that there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a track record that, that not only do I like doing it, but I can do it pretty well. So that was probably the, the most intentional step that I made was, was just creating that and then announcing to, to my current readers that, that this is something that I'm doing and I want to do more of. That's about the, the most that I've, I have pursued that. Um, so I've, uh, I, I know that, but gosh, there's some good people out there teaching people how to how to become speakers and what the steps are to go to to get gigs and and what that looks like. But uh, I've I've always just been pretty content to let people know I'm doing it and uh, allow them to to find me. Well, I think that that's such an important piece, though, and it's very clear in your entire storyline that letting people know you're doing a thing, whether it's like from the very beginning, hey, I'm doing this minimalist thing that I learned about, um, to, hey, I'm, I wrote a book and here's where you can go get it, to building a speaking page on, on your blog. You have to let people know that you're doing something in order for anyone to, to notice and, and to want to participate with you, whether it's to read a blog post or buy your book or book you for speaking or you know, attend your webinar or whatever it is that you're doing. That's something that you've done consistently. And it's obviously been impactful for your business to, to say, Hey, I'm doing this thing and to have intentionality behind it too. Yeah, I would agree. And, and doing it and doing it well. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to, to make money and, and to, to do blogging full time. But I, I think every step that I've taken has been intentional. I don't want to keep going back to this, but I, I don't feel like I've ever gone to do something just because I thought I would make more money doing it. But I've always, you know, taken the next step because I, I thought it would be, I thought it'd be beneficial, not just to me, but I thought it'd be beneficial to, to my community or the people that I was trying to reach as opposed to, 
you know, I think trying to do a lot of things and not doing them very well. I'm just saying, hey, these are the things I'm going to focus on and I'm going to do them. I'm going to do them well in a way that that benefits everyone um, involved. My notes from our conversation are to be of service, be intentional, do it well and share it with others. And if there's anything that I get from your message, it is it is those things. Um, even before we talked, I you know, that was my experience of your blog and and other places that I've I've seen you and, and absorbed your content. So um, so that's very clear. And I I hope that other people have that same experience of you and and can bring it to their own blogs because it's such a it's it's such an important lesson. And if you can learn it early on in your blogging career it can make a big impact up front. And you can you can have that that book in four months that drives someone else's jealousy to create their own. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Joshua, for sharing sharing that message and for creating Becoming Minimalist when you did, because even though, like you said, it's not been it's a you know eight and a half year journey to an overnight success, but that eight and a half year journey has been has been one we can all learn from and and continue to grow our blogs and go out and be of service to our communities, whatever it is that we're we're talking about. So, so thanks for um, leading the way for us. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, thank you for the thank you for the conversation. You uh, you do a good job. I uh, this was deep and, and rich, and it was uh, helpful for me. So I, I hope it's uh, helpful for others as well. I am so excited that the Reach audience got to know you today. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. That was Joshua Becker, best-selling author and founder of Becoming Minimalist. You can learn more about Joshua and his mission at becomingminimalist.com. Grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening.